Hi, my name is Matt, and I want to welcome you to a very special episode of the Giant Electric Penguin Podcast. This is the one you'll be writing to your grandparents about. Do people still do that? Write letters to their grandparents? Did anybody ever do that? (laughs) I'm sure they did. There's so much that we can learn from the elderly. There's one thing I know about the elderly, though, is that they love getting letters in the mail. I'm not talking about emails, neither. I'm talking about a handwritten note sealed in a paper envelope and delivered to a physical mailbox. It's something me and the elderly have in common, actually. I love a good letter. Mm-mm. But uh, before we get to the show, though, I wanted to mention up top that I've been reading Paul Simon, The Life by Robert Hilburn, and it's super great. I love it. Paul Simon is my favorite songwriter of all time. I love the man, and the book has been a real joy to read. Now, if you're lucky enough to be my wife... You have been inundated with Paul Simon fun facts every day by me, your husband, since I started reading this wonderful book. She was actually in Boston for most of last week, allegedly for a work conference. I think she was trying to escape the nonstop Paul Simon talk. (laughs) Kind of extreme, but that's why I love her, folks. Anyway, I'll spare you all from the long list of Paul Simon factoids I've acquired while reading Hilburn's biography, at least in this episode. Future episodes, no promises. But I did want to share a story regarding the writing of one of Mr. Simon's first non-Simon and Garfunkel hits, Mother and Child Reunion, the title of which came from a menu at a Chinese restaurant Simon was dining at. It was a chicken and egg dish, actually. I told this to my daughter, yep, that's right, my daughter has had to endure my fun facts while her mother has been gallivanting around Boston. But I told my daughter the whole uh, mother and child reunion origin story, and uh, she responded by saying, gross, and I agree with her, but I don't entirely understand why. I actually made myself a chicken sausage omelet for breakfast this morning, and yes, it was delicious, but it did seem wrong for some reason. Still dealing with the fallout, the emotional fallout. Anyway, according to the internet, a mother and child reunion is egg drop soup with chicken and corn in it. Well, the story of the recording of this song delighted me a little bit, so I'm going to share it with you right now. This comes from, of course, Paul Simon The Life by Robert Hilburn. And this is around the time when Paul Simon was really, really getting into ska music. Simon heard an early U.S. touch of ska in a piano part in Florence, a 1957 single by the Brooklyn doo-wop group The Paragons. The Beatles also played with ska in the quirky, uplifting Obladi Oblada 1968, but the music was still very much a fringe sound in the United States when Simon fell under the spell of Jimmy Cliff's 1969 anti-war song, Vietnam. Cliff, who would later star in the classic music-packed Jamaican gangster film, The Harder They Come, wrote Vietnam, 
about a mother who learned by telegram that her son was killed in battle. Rather than turn the story into stark protest, Cliff wrapped the theme with a light, almost danceable ribbon. At the end, the mother was waiting for her son's body to be shipped home. Simon asked himself how he would deal with the loss of someone else close to him, and his father's heart attacks always made that possibility a threat. In the mysterious ways that creativity works, Vietnam and the morbid thoughts it provided began to intersect with the Chinese dish. Paul just fell in love with Ska, Haley said, and that's Roy Haley, who was a longtime producer that worked with uh, Paul Simon. But he didn't want to try having American musicians duplicate the sound again. He insisted on going to Jamaica and working with actual ska musicians, which was a revolutionary concept. Not knowing the scene in Jamaica, Simon phoned Leslie Kong, the Jamaican producer of the Vietnam recording, who was delighted to have someone of Simon's reputation interested in his country's music. If Simon had a hit, he figured it could open the door for such artists as Cliff and Bob Marley. Kong urged Simon to come to Jamaica. When Simon and Haley got to Kingston, they found an all-star group of musicians waiting for them, including several who had played with Cliff and Toots and the Maytales. Among them, guitarist Hux Brown, drummer Winston Grennan, and percussionist Denzel Lang. This is my favorite part here. When Simon first met with the musicians, he said enthusiastically, let's play some ska. <laughs> Only to be surprised when they answered they didn't play ska. Well, what do you play, he asked. They replied, reggae. Okay, he continued, let's play reggae. I just really like the idea, you know, imagining little little white Paul Simon excitedly announcing, who's ready to play some ska? And a room full of seasoned reggae professionals kind of shutting him down like that. It's a cute story. I love it. It's also a great song, Mother and Child Reunion. Good song. Sounds like a delicious Chinese dish as well. Uh, Paul Simon's the best. This book is now my Bible. All right, so let's get on with the specialness that is Giant Electric Penguin, episode 42. talked about the Cabbage Patch Kids a little bit in the last episode of the podcast, and I briefly mentioned the name Xavier Roberts. Xavier Roberts, of course, being the creator of the Cabbage Patch Kids. But the story of how the Cabbage Patch Kids came to be is a lot more nuanced. You might think you know the story. You might think Xavier Roberts visited a craft fair in rural Georgia, ripped off some dying woman's idea, and made a billion dollars with it. But you'd be wrong. I mean, that's certainly the story that some reputable news sources want you to believe, but a far more believable story appears on CabbagePatchKids.com. The only source I trust for any and all Cabbage Patch Kids-related information. So today on the podcast, 
Let's look at this origin story as it is laid out for us at cabbagepatchkids.com. This story blew me away. I'm not going to lie. So let's let's get to it. There's a couple chapters to this amazing tale of how Xavier Roberts brought the Cabbage Patch Kids to the world. Chapter 1 a curious creature. Once upon a time, a young boy named Xavier Roberts was playing in the woods near his home in the Appalachian Mountains of North Georgia. He was playing and daydreaming when suddenly a curious creature buzzed by his head. It looked like a bunny, but it flew in the air and buzzed like a bee. Xavier decided to try and catch this little flying puffball, so he started following it through the woods. Over streams and up and down hills they went. Just as Xavier was about to capture the bunny bee, it flew straight into a waterfall and disappeared. Xavier was sure the bunny bee had drowned, but no. The bunny bee flew straight back out of the waterfall and took a spin around Xavier's head, teasing him to follow. Bunny bees? Already? I'm intrigued. It isn't clear, though. Are these bunny bees the size of bunnies or are they the size of bees? Either way... There is some freaky mutant shit going on in the mountains of Georgia that I was before today very unaware of. You thought it was just cousin incest run amok. Apparently the bunnies and the bees are banging away at each other up there in the mountains. What a world of wonders this Xavier Roberts wandered into. All right, let's get back to the story. Chapter 2 into the cave behind the waterfall. Xavier thought for a moment about what he had seen and decided to take a closer look at the waterfall. Sure enough, the waterfall wasn't an ordinary waterfall at all. There was an inviting little dry cave behind the water. That's how the bunny bee survived. With that discovery, Xavier held his breath and splashed through the water into the hidden cave. He rubbed his eyes to adjust to the dim light, and when he looked again, he saw millions of beautiful, sparkling crystals of all sizes and colors. Xavier was so surprised by the sight that he almost forgot about the bunny bee. But that didn't last long. Here came the bunny bee buzzing him again, flying off deeper into the cave. Xavier took out his flashlight and started to follow. This was really becoming an adventure. First of all, little known fact, Xavier Roberts always had a flashlight on him. So that's not like, that's not a weird, like, where, where do you get that flashlight? No, if you knew anything about Xavier Roberts, all right, like I do, you know that he always 
had a flashlight with him. I think a, a, a famous quote attributed to him, which I, which I love, and I've really tried to apply it to my life is, uh, he said once in an interview, don't go anywhere without a flashlight. And I don't think truer words have ever been spoken. Honestly, maybe it's just me, but this story is way more believable than the one Vice tosses off in their mini documentary, The Secret History of the Cabbage Patch Kids. I don't know if you've heard of this Vice, uh, this Vice news news organization, but they put together this little uh, miniature documentary that claims to tell the uh, the secret history of of the Cabbage Patch Kids. Um. You know, bees the size of bunny rabbits, or, you know, bunny rabbits the size of bees. Uh, crystal caves. I'm sure this kind of magical adventure shit happens in Georgia all the time. But this uh, factual documentary, and yes, those were air quotes you just heard. It theorizes that Xavier Roberts, instead of being a lucky young lad who discovered the Cabbage Patch Kids at the end of a crystal-lined cave underneath a magical tree... Uh, the, the, Vice would like you to think that uh, he was he was like he was just like a scheming money hungry scumbag who ripped off Martha Nelson Thomas's idea of creating funny looking baby dolls and making billions of dollars. Now, which story sounds more plausible to you? All right, okay, let's read on. Chapter three: Cabbages, cabbages. The bunny bee led the way and Xavier followed. When Xavier stopped to inspect the crystals, the bunny bee would come back and corral him, moving him deeper into the cave. It wasn't long before Xavier started to notice that the cave wasn't getting darker. It was getting lighter. Maybe this cave is actually a tunnel, he thought. He wondered where it would lead. The end of the tunnel finally appeared, but the opening was covered with kudzu vines, so you couldn't see what was on the other side. Xavier took out his pocket knife to cut away some of the vines and poked his head into the bright sunlight once again. Amazing! Bunny bees were flying all around, sprinkling magic dust from the crystals onto the cabbages. Rows and rows of cabbages were everywhere, but there was something different about them. Xavier blinked his eyes and squinted at what he thought was movement among the cabbage leaves. Xavier moved closer and soon could see that there were lots of small kids and babies sleeping and playing among the cabbages. I'm pretty sure this is Scientology, right? This story was originally told in L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics, I'm pretty sure. Remember when that commercial was all over TV and nobody knew what the hell it was? <laughs> this book, Dianetics, would just like shoot out of this volcano like a phoenix. And the book would just come out. And we were all like, wow! And then we are like, what was that all about? And then He-Man would come back on... Yeah, I'm pretty sure the story of the Cabbage Patch Kids is is definitely the story of Scientology. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. 
Perhaps my good friend Tom Cruise can come on the podcast sometime and explain it to me. And yes, I know what a lot of you are saying. I can hear you yelling at your radio or at your iPod or at your uh, your 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 smartphone. You're saying, "Where did Xavier Roberts get that pocket knife?" All right, he's from Georgia. Those hillbillies they they're all carrying they're all carrying some kind of blade in their back pocket. All right. They all they all got some sort of some sort of sharp implement somewhere on uh, somewhere in their their overalls for just for just such an occasion when kudzu's in the way you gotta cut it down or you you get in a fight over you know the last can of beans at the piggly wiggly all right come on get you get 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 your head out of your ass all right let's finish up the story chapter four it's getting very exciting very exciting chapter four. Otis Lee and the Cabbage Patch Kids. From the nearest cabbage, a little boy came toward Xavier and offered to shake his hand. He introduced himself as Otis Lee, one of the Cabbage Patch Kids. Xavier smiled and shook hands with his new friend. What is a Cabbage Patch Kid, he asked. Otis Lee explained, Cabbage Patch Kids are kids and babies of all sizes and shapes that are born in the secret cabbage patch. The bunny bees flying all around sprinkle magical crystal dust on the mother cabbages, and that magic causes cabbage patch kids to be born in the cabbage patch. Did you come to help us find homes of our own? Otis Lee asked. Xavier thought about this question very carefully, and then said, Yes. He promised Otis Lee that he would build a special place called Babyland General, where all the Cabbage Patch kids and babies can live and play until someone adopts them and takes them home. After all, everybody should have a family to love. So I guess Otis Lee is like the king of the Cabbage Patch kids, I guess. I, I wanted to find out more about him because there's not really a picture of him on the website and there really isn't too much that I could I could find out about Otis. Like, how did he become the manager of this operation? I mean, it seems to be that he's just like another one of these Cabbage Patch kids. I guess he just took the initiative and took over. Uh, the only picture they have there in the Otis Lee chapter is a stork getting ready to, I guess, deliver one of the newly uh, hatched Cabbage Patch Kids to to a family. And, and the stork, I'm pretty sure, is the Vlasic Pickle stork. <laughs> I guess he I guess he does this on the side, or maybe he did this before he, he got his own gig, you know, slinging pickles, pickle slinging, as they call it in the, in the pickle biz. Anyway, Otis Lee uh, fascinates me. I'd like to know more about him. I was able to find out uh, by going to uh, Wikipedia, which is a great source for for uh, researching, you know, researching your uh, your 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 high school, uh, you know, research papers or your, you know, your dissertation. You know, or you know, you have to write a when you get your PhD, you have to write something. I I assume everybody just goes to uh, Wikipedia, but I, I was able to find out there that. Um, apparently in 1984, there was an album that was released called Cabbage Patch Dreams, and that featured a song called Good Old Otis Lee, 
And when I heard the song, it's it's a straight up gospel tune, which leads me to believe that Otis Lee is less of of a king and more of, well, the, the king of kings. <laughs> so Otis Lee might be viewed by these other Cabbage Patch kids as like a savior figure. My, my favorite part of this, though, the album, uh, particularly this song, Good Old Otis Lee, it was written by the Sherman Brothers. And if you don't know who the Sherman Brothers are, they wrote the, the music for Mary Poppins and uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. They are also responsible for the song The Bare Necessities. So, uh, and I guess they wrote a lot of the songs. I guess they wrote the songs in Charlotte's Web. So these, these guys have some big songs in their repertoire. And one of them is this gospel tune, uh, Good Old Otis Lee. Let's listen to a little bit of Good Old Otis Lee. and he drives a dirt bike around? Otis Lee is a badass. It's also kind of sad, though, because it sounds like Otis Lee never got adopted. Like, he's just, he's taken up the leadership role because he's just always around the Cabbage Patch because it was never his his turn, I guess. I, I hate the implications of the song that uh, the reason for that was perhaps that uh, he's bald, which, again, very hurtful. Uh, but that's Otis Lee, and that's the story of the Cabbage Patch Kids, more importantly. And what I think is really special is that Xavier Roberts made this promise to the Cabbage Patch Kids, specifically to Otis Lee. He brokered this deal with Otis Lee, and possibly the Velastic Pickle Stork. <laughs> they sat down, and they, they came up with this plan, and Mr. Roberts, he... He went through with the plan. He didn't leave the Cabbage Patch Kids in the lurch. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Babyland General. Crystals and cabbage? Moving. Oh shit, that's creepy. Why is that guy? Oh, some of them move. Some of them move. So this is where babies come from. Remember when the first Avatar movie came out and there were news stories about people who were depressed to the point of expressing suicidal ideations because they couldn't visit Pandora? I always thought that was pretty goofy. Until I discovered Kirk Cameron's Freedom Island Book Club and realized that I would 
never be able to ride the roller coaster at Ferenzi Park or spend an afternoon daydreaming on a limb of the sky tree or walk hand in hand with my beautiful wife along the white sand beaches that line the Caralago coast. So I get it now, Avatar weirdos. I understand your longing, that dull ache in the pit of your stomach every time you remember you'll never, ever get to ride on the back of a genuine no foolin' banshee. I feel the same thing whenever I'm struck with the sad reality that I'll never stroll through the streets of Tokotok with Bongo, the gun-loving gorilla, or Rebel, the speedy cheetah, who is definitely a female and has never been anything else ever, ever. By the way, why is there a place called Tokotok on Freedom Island? (laughs) Google Docs is certain I have made a spelling error when writing the script for this episode and desperately wants me to change it to Tokotok. Surely the folks over at Kirk Cameron Industries have heard the word Toke, right? I don't know. (laughs) It's a mystery for the ages. Look, my point is this. There are so many fictional lands, like Freedom Island, that we'll never be able to visit. That's just a sad fact of this miserable slog we call life. But what if I told you there is a way to visit at least one magical place? A wonderland of joy that you can visit and forget this hateful old world for a while. Ease your mind. Forget about how everyone on the planet is at war with everyone else on the planet. Forget about how a straight-up criminal is right this very minute attempting to reclaim the highest office in the land just because his feelings are hurt. Forget for a while how Kirk Cameron has his own children's book empire. A place where you could witness a patch full of cabbages give birth to human children. That's right. Babyland General Hospital is a real place. And you can go there right now if you want. Xavier Roberts made good on his promise to Otis Lee and the Cabbage Patch Kids. Provided one of the major American holidays isn't going on, Babyland General Hospital's doors are wide open and waiting for you, you weirdo. It's located in Cleveland, Georgia, And it looks more like an old folks' home, you know, from the outside. If you didn't know what this place was, you'd probably drive by and kind of look over at it and say to whoever's in the car with you, wonder what's on the menu tonight in there. Probably cold mush again. (laughs) That's what the elderly eat. I know. My first job was a server in the dining room at a retirement community, and these people subsisted on tomato juice and cold mush. At Christmas time, they'd warm the mush up a little. I'm kidding, of course. (laughs) Not about my job. I was a waiter at a retirement home. But we served them real food. And some of it, some of it was even edible. That's rude, too, because the cook used to make grilled cheese for for the servers after the dinner service. And uh, it it was great. There's something about a grilled cheese sandwich made on a huge flat top that is very special. But anyway, the point is, Babyland General Hospital looks... More like a place 
you drop your grandma off at and forget about than a toy store full of Cabbage Patch Kids. But that's what it is. The latter. It's the latter. If you're if you're dropping your grandma off there and not coming back to get her, it's going to be kind of awkward. That's going to be an awkward phone call if they ever kind of, you know, help your grandma, like, figure out how to unlock her phone and find your number. Once you're inside, say goodbye to your wallet, people, or, you know, the money in your wallet, rather, because, uh, you know, there aren't any neighborhood toughs hanging around the entrance robbing you or anything. I just mean get ready to spend some hard-earned scratch because these cabbage bass bastards are expensive. I don't know when I am ever going to get to Babyland General Hospital. Someday, fingers crossed. So I jumped on YouTube and I found these two people. What the what the hell are their names again? Let's see here. Who are these two assholes? The Crazy Travel Addicts. That's the that's the handle they go by on YouTube. The Crazy Travel Addicts. Honestly, they don't come across as crazy. They're just, they're just a married couple in their mid-40s who, I guess, go on a lot of vacations. And, uh, you know, looking deeper into their videos, the vacations don't seem particularly, you know, crazy either. Looks like they've stayed at an Airbnb near, near downtown Cincinnati. Whoa! Calm down, crazy travel addict. Cincinnati! Uh, looks like they mostly go to Georgia and Florida. Oh, wait, what's this? Oh, they went to Jimmy Carter's boyhood home. All right, I'm going to save that one for later, though, okay? Uh, I'm not, but honestly, I'm not here to make fun of the crazy travel addicts. I'm sure they're wonderful people. The husband has got a bit of a potty mouth. He kind of forgets that he's touring a giant toy store and is surrounded by kids in the Babyland video. But uh, that's America in 2023, right? I'm sure a lot of the kids could outswear the crazy travel addicts if, like, they shoot some kind of, some kind of challenge. <laughs> That's stupid. All right. Uh, Babyland General Hospital is mostly a toy store, like I said, but it's also a museum and it has public restrooms. But the thing I want to focus on is the wall of celebrity photos one encounters when they first enter the facility. That was my favorite part of the Crazy Travel Addicts video. That and the part where Mr. Crazy Travel Addict can't decide if... Cabbage Patch Kids are the cutest things he's ever encountered or the creepiest. <laughs> he fluctuates. He goes back and forth. That's really that's really the eternal uh, debate, if you think about it. But who do we see on this wall of celebrities when, when we first walk into Babyland General? I'm assuming these are celebrities who have stopped by Babyland General Hospital for a tour. And, uh, you know, then we're asked at the end, hey, you got a headshot we can hang up? And they were like, sure. Why not? Who the hell's going to come here and see it anyway? I'm just, uh, So uh, there are too many pictures to mention. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I, I just wanted to point out a few of my favorites. We got Wonder Years era Fred Savage, Whoopi Goldberg, Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk himself. Uh, there's a picture of Burgess Meredith dressed as the Penguin. It's a picture of John Candy in there. Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston and John Candy got that prime space between the, the men's and women's bathrooms. Right above the, uh, the, uh, the water fountain. It's prime real estate. Uh, I might be seeing things. that It's a little out of focus. Uh, he didn't... 
the the crazy travel addicts, you know, their video doesn't spend a lot of time with these with these celebrity photos. It kind of glosses over them. So I do a lot of pausing and like, you know, enhancing <laughs> that, that I had to use a lot of that, uh, what NCIS technology of enhancing and looking at these photos, uh, to write this bit. But, uh, it looked, one of the, one of the headshots looked like Michael Myers. <laughs> Could that even be a thing though? He, he's a fictional mass murderer. Why would he have a headshot? I don't know. It looks like Michael Myers though. Whoever it really is, I want to apologize. <laughs> Your face sort of looks like a uh, a uh, inside out William Shatner mask. <laughs> Who else is on this wall? Uh, Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg donated his his headshot to the to the, uh, the to the Cabbage Patch Kids. Jeff Goldblum. I, I would pay to watch a video of Jeff Goldblum walking around Babyland General Hospital and like interacting with the staff. <laughs> I want that more than anything else on the planet. That's what I want for Christmas. My mom texted me today. Uh, she said, I need some Christmas ideas for you. Mom, I want you to go to Babyland General Hospital. I want you to hire a camera crew and just film Jeff Goldblum walking around Babyland General Hospital for an hour. And I want—I just want the unedited footage. That's what I want, Mom. That is what I want. Please make it happen for me. Who else? Oh, Yoko Ono. Yoko's been there. And then here's my very favorite of all the celebrities who have been to Babyland General Hospital and donated their headshot uh, to the Wall of Fame. And that's Charles Bronson. <laughs> Charles Bronson. I wonder if Charles Bronson bought anything when he was there. He probably had grandkids and bought them a couple Cabbage Patch kids. Maybe a Kusa or two. God, I hate that word, Kusa. It sounds like a derogatory term, doesn't it? If you don't know, Kusas are Cabbage Patch kids if Dr. Moreau got his hands on them. They're like human-animal hybrids. I'm not sure if they grow in the same cabbage patch. Maybe there's a maybe there's a different cave that has like a different kind of crystals. And there weren't as many cooses because like they started sprinkling the like we the bunny bees were like, hey Otis, we found some new crystals. He's like, eh, try them out. I mean, they're not from our usual mystical cave, but you know, we're running out of crystals in there. Sprinkle some of that some of the new crystal dust on, on these on these kids, on these cabbages, and then suddenly these these hideous like monstrosities start like oh my god we got to stop using these crystals. But anyway, that's what a coos is. My wife reminded me of of them. We took a walk together. And I told her I, I'm thinking about doing an an episode of uh, of the podcast and just having it be a hundred percent about the Cabbage Patch Kids. She said, "Well, you better talk about coos." And I said, "I'll mention them in passing. What are those again?" <laughs> anyway, those, a lot of celebrities have passed through the walls. Of the uh, of Babyland General, including Charles Bronson, Death Wishes, Charles Bronson, and of course the tr the crazy travel addicts, YouTube's own crazy travel addicts have been there as well. Anyway, uh, there are some uh, museum style displays at Babyland. There's a nursery. There's a magical tree surrounded by cabbages with baby heads growing out of them, and some of the baby heads move around. Very weird. And I guess every 10 minutes or so, like a staff member like comes out and does like a little presentation. She yanks one of the babies out of the ground and you can purchase it for an exorbitant amount of money. 
Gone are the days of $25 or even $50 Cabbage Patch Kids. The travel addicts, they end up buying a mini Cabbage Patch Kid for their, for their grandchild, and it costs like 30 bucks. So it's free to get in, but, but you ain't leaving Babyland without dropping some cash. I warned you up top, folks. You might think this is a cheap day out, but it's not. <laughs> anyway, I'm hoping someday to get to Babyland General Hospital. God, that'd be great, wouldn't it? You know, mankind is responsible for some terrible things. War, genocide, skibbity toilet. But we've also created so many beautiful things. The National Park System, Cheddar Bay Biscuits, and yes, Cabbage Patch Kids. So let's revel in the good stuff, especially this week. It's Thanksgiving week. Let's use this time to reflect and all the things we're thankful for. Family, friends, mashed potatoes, those pilgrim hats with the buckles on them. Those are cool. I'd wear one. But that's the end of episode 42 of Giant Electric Penguin. I hope you all have a lovely Thanksgiving, however you choose to celebrate it. Or not celebrate it. You do you. Me, personally, I'm going to eat some of my mom's homemade stuffing. Then I'm going to fall asleep in front of some football. I'm going to snuggle with my Cabbage Patch Kid and listen to the essential Paul Simon for the 57th time. So do something that makes you happy, okay? We'll see you next week. you shine gonna watch you grow gonna paint a sign so you always know as long as one and one is two there could never be a father who loved his cabbage more than i love you all right that's 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 enough of that don't sue me paul simon i love you (laughs) Dumb. <laughs>